a reading from the book of Exodus. In those days, in their thirst for water, the people grumbled against Moses, saying, Why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have us die here of thirst with our children and our livestock? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? A little more, they will stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go over there in front of the people, along with some of the elders of Israel, holding in your hand as you go the staff with which you struck the river. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock in Horeb. Strike the rock, and the water will flow from it for the people to drink. This Moses did in the presence of the elders of Israel. The place was called Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled there and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord in our midst or not? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully sing songs to him. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us. For he is our God. And we are the people he shepherds, the flock he guides. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Oh, that today you would hear his voice, harden not your hearts at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the desert, where your fathers tempted me, they tested me, though they had seen my works. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans, brothers and sisters. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in hope of the glory of God. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For Christ, while we were still helpless, died at the appointed time for the ungodly. Indeed, 
Only with difficulty does one die for a just person, though perhaps for a good person, one might even find courage to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the Lord be in your heart and your lips. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Lord, you are truly the Savior of the world. Give me living water that I may never thirst again. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself with his children and with his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You were right in saying I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. 
the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, what are you looking for, or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves And we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Being good Catholics, I think I know what you're thinking. What you're thinking is long, ser- long gospel, short sermon. Oh, that it was so. You'll all be Baptist by the time this is over. No, you won't, don't worry. Um, our reading this afternoon comes to us by the way of the Gospel of St. John. And when you read the Gospel of St. John, there is an internal tension that's present throughout the Gospel that can be easy to miss. It's the tension between two ways of understanding. The first and most basic way is the way of the earth. That is, it's the way of the senses. Ear, eye, nose, all that, touch, hearing, all that. And it is the level at the material. It's the level of appearance. It's almost a kind of literal taking of what is being said word for word. But it's nothing beyond that. In other words, sentences and words are merely descriptive. They point to something. The dog, the cat, etc. I'm hot, I'm cold, whatever. And it stays there. But the tension is, is that Jesus often speaks in ways that start out initially 
at the material or earthly or sensual level. But in those words, in those episodes, there is an elevated, deeper meaning. There is a transcendent meaning. And that's where much of the misunderstanding comes in. It's also much of the kind of ironic humor that takes place, at least from their standpoint, in the gospel. We see this clash of misunderstandings initially. Prime example is in our gospel reading with the woman at Samaria and Jesus. Two very different ways of understanding. And we're, we're given a kind of early warning system by the fact that Jesus is doing something that's quite shocking, something that's hard to get one's head around, especially at that time. Jesus initiates a conversation with a Samaritan who happens to be a woman. Now that's a double whammy. And that tells you immediately, uh-oh, something's up because this is completely out of character and out of, out of the ordinary. It's out of the cultural norms, and it's certainly out of the religious norms. No respectable Jew would ever think of being contaminated by association or verbal contact or whatever, certainly not initiating a conversation with one of those people. Why? because the Jews look upon the Samaritans as people who have defective worship because they don't worship at the temple in Jerusalem. They're up there on that mountain with Jacob and all this other stuff. Simply unorthodox, improper, even heretical worship and no doubt beliefs. So we have to stay away from that because we'll get contaminated. And to have a Jewish man initiate a conversation with a Samaritan woman, well, that shatters all of the preconceived notions and etiquette of society and culture at that particular time. And so you see uh, that the woman is not only shocked, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Not only that, his conversation is not even about directions. He's asking for a drink. See, here comes the water into the place. Stay with me on this. He's got the water into the play. Why? Jesus is tired. He's probably been pre preaching and teaching and traveling all day. The disciples are gone doing whatever they're doing. And he wants a drink of water. And so he asked her, you know, give me a drink of water. And um, this again is shocking. But notice what happens. It, Jesus uses that human, that first level of experience, that experience of speaking to a Samaritan woman, asking for a drink, to engage her and lead us into something much deeper. That's the second level of understanding, the level of the spirit. Jesus answers and he says, if you knew the gift of God 
and who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Living water. Jesus has now raised the level of the, of the, of the conversation. It's not simply water. It's now living water. So it's something that is now open to the holy or the sacred or the transcendent. Um, notice <laughs> how she goes back to her material level of understanding. Sir, you do not even have a bucket, bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where can you get this living water? She's still looking for the bucket. She's still at the level of that material understanding. That, that's where she is. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, uh, the flocks and all of that? Her question, which is a sincere question, and it's a very normal question. This, this, is not, this is not let's pile on or throw the old Samaritan lady under the bus. It's not that at all. It's a very natural question. But Jesus answers her and says, everyone who drinks this water, the living water, will be thirsty again, her water. But whoever drinks the water I will give will never thirst. The water that I will give is the wellspring to eternal life. Notice what she says. She's still having a difficult time getting out of first gear, okay? Sort of like driving out there. Um, Sir, give me this water so I may not be thirsty and do not have to keep coming here drawing water. In other words, I'm really tired of doing this work. Obviously, she's been, instead of putting out the garbage, she got the task of going up there and getting the water. And that trip up and down that hill is no picnic. And so she says, well, well, give me this water so I don't have to keep doing this. I have buckets. You don't, but, but tell me about it. You know, if you can give it to me, I'll take it, you know. It's, it's the Kentwood, Kentwood guy on, uh, you know, on a cloud somewhere. Um, Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come back. The woman says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband. He says, you have five husbands. And, <laughs> that's funny. And the one you have now is not your husband. In other words, she has a new significant other, as we would say today. But notice this. She's been married five times. She's uh, cohabitating. We'll be polite about it in case there's children here or for the ear sensitive. Um, and uh, she has that. But notice, it doesn't stop Jesus from continuing. Oh, my goodness. Can't have anything to do. Because this is exactly why Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ came for the Samaritans. They came for the woman with five husbands and one significant other. He came for the penitent woman. He came for the publican 
in the back of the temple that says, forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned. That's the ones he came for. And as the divine physician, he didn't come for the well. He didn't come for the uptight, upright, uprighteous, self-uprighteous. He came for the lost, the least last, lost and little. And you can't come for them and not go among them. You can't find them if you're not with them. And so he's not turned off by all of that stuff. And they get into this thing about worshiping and so on and so forth, a kind of debate about that, etc. And um, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. And when he comes, he'll tell us everything. And Jesus says, I am he. the one you are speaking with. Jesus now tells her, the Samaritan woman, that he is the Messiah. He is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He is the one whom the Jewish people and the temple worship and all of that have placed, placed their entire religious identity and understanding on. And Jesus is saying, I who speak to a Samaritan woman on Jacob's well, asking for water, who knows her past, I speak to you. You have all the wrong qualifications, except one. You are speaking with me. You are speaking with me. In other words, you're in dialogue and prayer with me and I'm leading you, this Jewish guy, who is the Messiah. The disciples come back, they're amazed, naturally, and um, the woman left with her jar, she goes back to the town, and she says, come see a man who told me everything I have done. Could this possibly be the Christ? It's a, it's a, notice how she started. It's not a declaration. It's an interrogatory. Could it be? Say, could it be? Is it possible? If you could break through, if you could break through that prejudice that you want nothing to do with Jews, as Jews want nothing to do with you, if you can break that, is it possible that this Jewish guy up there by Jacob's well is the Messiah. See, that's, that, that's the beginning. It's that crack and that opening in that marble and steel frame by which we frame everything and understand everything, and it's so hard to get through and to get through it and get out of it. And yet Jesus is slowly but surely opening the frame opening the door a crack and putting a little, little opening in the ceiling. Could it be him? That's what she says. Could it, could it be? They went out of the town and came to him. And me, meanwhile, the disciples, because they don't want to be left out of this, they tell him, come on, let's eat. You know, not only are you thirsty, and when we leave you alone for a few minutes, we can't trust you because you take up with the Samaritan woman asking her for water at Jacob's well. 
you need an attendant. You need an intervention. Huh? That's what you need. And Jesus says to them, I have food to eat which you do not know. See the difference? Once again, they are really no different than the Samaritan woman. She's hung up on the water and the bucket. They say, come on and get something to eat. And Jesus said, I have food to eat you do not know. The disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? Did they sneak him a Burger King or a McDonald's, depending upon what you want, you know, at the time? Kosher, of course. Understand that. I want to be clear about that. Could they have brought him something to eat when we, when, when we left? My Lord. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. It's not the Burger King. That's not my food. I didn't come to get uh, Carl's Jr. No. I came to do the will of the Father. See the difference. The water, the buckets, the food, the will of the Father. It is this elevation of understanding. But one has to be open to it. I'm almost finished. Bear with me, please. Um, do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see. The fields are ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment, gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice. Because Jesus, the Word made flesh, is already gathering disciples. The work of the Son to reveal the Father is already taking place. They're thinking of the harvest, harvest time. You know, John Deere and all that sort of stuff. No, not at all. He's talking about the same thing as when he told Peter, you will be fishers of men. Oh, fishers of men, catch people in nets? No, of course not. He's talking about souls. It's already, see, but that, that two levels of understanding. And here's where we all come in. Here's where we all come in. Many of the Samaritans of the town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me everything I've done. When the Samaritans came to him, talk about shocking. They go to this Jewish guy who's been talking to this woman. Now she goes back and she says, you know, uh, he told me everything I've done. She's testifying. She's witnessing to the Samaritans. A Samaritan to a Samaritan. Jesus initiated the conversation. And what did they do? They invite him to stay with them. Wow. Hospitality begets hospitality. The opening of the crack. Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. It's now open because of this Samaritan woman where the Samaritans are now asking Jesus to come and stay with us. They've talked to him. They've invited him in. This is the food that he came to get. 
This is the water he came to bring and to give. And this woman, this unlikely woman who woke up that morning having no idea of what was going to happen, she is now in many ways an evangelist. She's an evangelist. She is going out and she now facilitates the inviting of Jesus into a place that we would never expect he would be to come stay with us. And to conclude, which is the most shocking thing, we no longer believe because of your word, they say to the woman, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the savior of the world. In other words, it is now part of them. They have been washed in the water. They have eaten the very words of Jesus. They don't need her to testify. It now is their own. It's now in their hearts, in their minds, in their spirit. The work of the evangelist is now complete. And forevermore they will say, there was at least one Jew, at least one Jew, who touched us at the level of the sacred, that opened for us a new world of understanding, a new world of fellowship, a new world of relating, a new world of how God reacts. The harvest is beginning and is now growing. In this time when we spend so much in the 21st century, especially in the Catholic Church, talking about the new evangelization, each of us, we are evangelizers. We're called to be evangelizers. For we have been baptized with the living waters of Christ at our baptism. And whenever we attend the Eucharist. We are fed the bread of eternal life. Not to stay here, not to stay here, but to get out and go. Go. Go into that part of the world you touch. Your families, your businesses, your neighborhoods, your schools. Wherever you go every day, you are to walk wet in your baptismal waters. The culture and the society wants to bleach you dry, wants the hot desert air to dry the water, wants to take away the food of life. We need constant renewal in the sacraments and in prayer and in community together as church to take our parchedness, to take our malnourishment, and to be nourished once again in word and sacrament, to go forward and dare to speak and witness to a culture that increasingly has turned itself in on itself and leaves no room for the sacred but in that part of that culture and world, you can help to crack it open. 
to break it open. And maybe, just maybe, those who we influence will say, could there really be the Messiah and the Savior? Could there really be something to this gospel and to this Christianity? Could they be the next to receive the living water and the bread of eternal life? That is our calling. That is our vocation. May we be nourished and faithful now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.